Only when we act together will we have the courage to change our lives and the world around us. This is why community is such an important aspect of our human experience. Welcome to the Community Heroes podcast, where we celebrate and share the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Catherine Mann. On this show, we share the stories of people using their skills, experiences, businesses, and involvement through sporting clubs and service organizations to enrich the lives of those around them. Community is so much more than the town you live in. It's a group of people that care about each other and feel they belong together. They are the people that support you when you need it the most. They're the ones who share the same ideas, interests and attributes that you do. Now let's hear from the heroes that are pioneering, changing and impacting their communities. Hello and welcome to the Community Hero Show. Today I have the queen of country fashion, Alicia McClymouth, joining us. Growing up on the family cattle property in Northwest Queensland, Alicia did distance education until she was 10 years old. She then finished her schooling, a boarding school in Cairns, and then went on to study fashion design in Brisbane. Alicia was inspired by her mother and grandmother who, despite the limitations when living in the harsh rural and remote areas of Australia, never compromised their sense of style and femininity. Because of this, Alicia grew up expressing herself through what she wore. After university, Alicia moved back to the station for what was meant to only be one year to pay off her hex debt. However, this turned into 10 years. In this time, she travelled around Australia, overseas, brought a property off her dad and also got her helicopter licence. During her time on the farm and working on other properties, she was always limited to the standard blue, green, pink and red work shirts that bore a striking resemblance to her brothers. They didn't fill her fashion conscious girl with excitement each morning. So she began her quest to create a fashionable solution and Antola Trading was born. An authentic, empowering and reliable workwear because life is busy enough on the land without having to worry about your wardrobe. Antola trading shirts have been designed for long days in the sun and they're ready for any hard work you have to do while you're wearing them. Thank you so much for joining us, Alicia. Thank you for having me. Uh, I love this. I love that you just (laughs) made country shirts awesome. Well, someone had to do it, I suppose. I was getting a bit bored of them, so. You're right. And they are. They're all just the one plain colour. There wasn't a lot of differences. They're all cut the same. Yeah. And And being a tall, tall person with long, lanky arms too, literally none of them ever fit me properly. So um, that was a frustration for sure. Yeah, amazing. And but also to create something that's durable as well is quite different. So there is, you know, some fashion in country where it's like the RM Williams sides and designs and things like that. But they're they're nice to wear out for dinner and to the rodeo, but not so much to wear around the paddock. Yeah, definitely. Um I think and the price point was a major thing for me because 
there's def there's some amazing brands out there that make some beautiful shirts, like colourful, you know, florals and things like that. But they're $150 or something and you're not going to wear them to work. Um, and, yeah, they had to be dur durable in my head because I ruin things uh, <laughs> literally all the time. Uh, and, they like, you don't want to be precious about it. You don't want to be thinking, oh, no, I can't do that because it's going to get stains on my shirt. You just need to be able to go and do what you need to do during the day and not worry about uh, whether, you know, shirt's going to come untucked or it's, you know, too tight or your phone doesn't fit in your pocket or a million other things that I found the work shirts that we had just were not even close to, you know, fulfilling those needs day to day. Um, plus, I think it's, it's fun to wear something nice as well. So why not make them colourful and pretty as well? That's so great. I love it. And so what is it that really sort of drew you into uh, going along the fashion industry to begin with? Um, I think when I was a kid, I loved dressing up from as long as I can remember, like getting into mum's clothes and dressing up in just about anything. Um, she always says that she thought she'd be able to dress me up, you know, being having the only daughter but that stopped when I was about three and wouldn't wear what she told me to wear anymore. So, um, yeah, I've just been obsessed with bloody clothes, which is not that good for my bank account. But I really love fashion. I love patterns, colour, everything. It just draws me in and I love it. Yeah, so having that need for creativity um, has been there forever, but my struggle was trying to work out how to knit that into uh, living on the land and in the bush and doing that job as well. Yeah, having something really practical to wear too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And sort of differentiating, uh, I suppose, myself in, in how I felt my personality was each day rather than, you know, the same uniform that my brothers are wearing that everyone else is wearing that's fine but it, it didn't feel like I was able to express myself if I just put work jeans on and the same pink or green shirt that felt restrictive to me um, and there were no other options like I couldn't go and wear another nice top or something that I had because that's not practical so there had to be a happy medium I thought. And what do you think it means for you personally uh, when you can have these cool funky shirts that really represent you and show a different personality to then still being able to go out and get them dirty in your working with the cows and everything else? Um, well, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, what does it mean to me? I think... I think there's sort of that little bit of a balance being a female in uh, a male-dominated sort of industry that there's this weird um, balance of being feminine but being, but being able to do the same type of work. But you have to obviously be creative in sometimes to be able to do the same jobs if you're not as physically um, capable in some areas and there's a million other ways you can do the job now without having to be as big and strong as some of the men. Um, but that balance also, I think, filters into your femininity and your masculinity in work as well. 
So if you're around guys all the time and working hard and whatever, I do truly believe you're sort of the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're around guys all the time and you've got to be tough and they're always trying to be, you know, alpha mailing each other and whatever, you end up in that masculine energy a lot and having that little bit of a balance of having something feminine to wear, I felt um, helped me a lot day to day in still feeling like me, not completely losing myself to that masculine energy just to do the job that I like doing doesn't mean you have to be someone that doesn't feel like you. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that's great. It's a great way analogy and how you've explained it and and just such a refreshing. It's not here you've got to go and match up and you've got to be seen as one of the boys. It's yeah, nah, I I am a girl, but I still love doing this work and I'm gonna bring that strength into it in every possible way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. I love it. And so do you want to just share a little bit of, um, about your story and what it was like growing up uh, on the cattle uh, station and, you know, doing the remote distance and, and everything else and then, you know, your story into to where you are now? Um, yeah, okay. So I grew up with my uh, two brothers. I've got a twin brother and an older brother out near Richmond. Um, and we did distance ed uh, until we were 10, where mum and dad uh, separated, got divorced, and mum moved to Cairns. So we actually moved to Cairns with her and went to day school there. And then um, we'd go back to the property on long weekends and holidays and everything to see dad. And normally he would, he would put mustering, plan mustering around when we were home. So he had three more kids to not have to pay to get on horses and stuff. So we would work on holidays um, and he's got a, a couple of properties around Queensland. So we'd go to di different ones. We'd always sort of be traveling to different ones. And I, I mean, again, I grew up with just the two boys and then we had, you know, a couple of managers on properties that had kids, but they had boys. So I pretty much only grew up with boys around. Um, so I was pretty stoked to get to Cairns and be in a school with girls and art class was my absolute favourite thing in the world. I just, I was so excited to be able to go to a day school and, and go to art. Um, but then also just loved coming home too um, until I probably got into the teenage years and we'd have to go home on a long weekend and there was some party on it you know, in Cairns and we wouldn't want to go. That was probably the only times I was like, no, <laughs> not worth it. No, I'm not going to work when we could be here going to a party. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I finished school, but there, I felt like there was a hell of a lot of pressure to decide. And all I knew that I loved was clothes. And uh, I, I actually, looking back on it now, I don't think that I really knew how many other jobs there were in the ag industry for women. I just thought you be what you've seen, which is what my dad was. And I didn't have a lot of other like female role models out in that industry because my mum had moved away. So I didn't really see anything other than assuming I would do what dad and my brothers did, or that was it. That's all you did in, in ag. 
So that wasn't really an option in my head at all. Um, and the only other thing I loved was fashion. So I went and did fashion um, in Brisbane for a couple of years and loved that. It was bloody way harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought we'd just be down there designing clothes and then the fairies would go off and make them. But um, no, I had to learn how to pattern make and sew and I was uh, a bit rough with that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, but it was, it was really good. Uh, like learning the foundations of it all and then yeah went back home to pay it off and ended up just staying just loved it um yeah I think I loved the challenge of of choosing to be there and learning the industry that I'd grown up in 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 a really different light than what I'd looked at when I was a kid because it was just what you had to do it was almost like chores when you go out and muster and in the yards, whereas when I came back, it was a choice to be there. So, um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed the challenge of it and learning everything. Um, yeah, so I stayed for 10 years <laughs> and just wanted to get better and better at it, I suppose, and just try to find different avenues of how I could be useful and uh, benefit our family business being there. So that was a challenge in itself, I suppose. Yeah, it's great. And you're right. It's, yeah, it's that making the choice to be there rather than having it forced upon you. It makes yeah. a, it's a whole different light and appreciation right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell, talk about like where the, um, the, the idea and the inspiration or the moment Antola was born. Well, it was a bit long winded because, um, I'd, I'd had that sort of building frustration of not having an avenue for my creativity for a while. And I thought, uh, you know, going to races and things like that, making my own clothes for it, that might satiate it enough. But over the years, it just, it didn't. And I just was always desperate. I felt like there was a little piece missing that just wasn't completely satisfied with what I was doing um, all day, every day. And that being in that job, there isn't a lot of space, literally time and space to do, well, there's plenty of literal space, but no time to do a lot of other creative stuff. If you sort of get up, you work from dark till dark and, you know, you have one or two days off on the weekend. Most of the time you're exhausted. So you're not going to be going out and trying to find something creative to do. Um, so yeah it, it became it was came an idea in my head and I thought I'll just start it as a really little thing and just see how it goes minimal risk uh, and then I started researching it found it was way harder than I thought uh, trying to find the information I needed online just googling stuff so I ended up spending nearly a year um, just at night time, just having a look, trying to find more and more information, trying to find manufacturers, um, trying to learn about digital printing as opposed to, because at the beginning I thought I'll just order, I'll buy, there'll be the fabric out there with these nicer florals and things. Uh, but once I started getting samples and stuff, the florals were you're so pigeonholed into a certain type of um, uh, aesthetic that that didn't make sense to me I thought if I can't make it 
something that I love, there's no point in making it. And it also has to be on really good, durable, quality, consistent, heavy duty cotton that when you buy it this year, you're going to know you'll buy the same thing next year and it's going to be the same quality shirt. You're not going to get one that's thinner or heavier and you're going to be hating it. It has to be consistent. And then with the fit of it as well, I got probably 10 different brands of shirt and I've, I had most of those shirts already um, and just compared all of them measurement wise and the, the variation in measurements were insane actually like in women's clothing these days I could be you know a size eight and one and size 14 and something else which is a bloody minefield when you go to try and buy clothes online which is mostly the only option you've got when you live in the middle of nowhere so uh, did a lot of research and ended up finding a manufacturer, did all the sampling process, which took a long time. And then about a month before the shirts were due to arrive, I started the Facebook page. And that was pretty much the first time I think even my closest friends at home and stuff even knew about it. They're like, sorry, what? What are you doing? Where'd you get? I'm like, yeah, so I made some shirts. They're like, how many? I'm like, ah. Oh thousand (laughs) (laughs) I kind of thought once I'd committed then it'd be too late and I'd have to sell them you know it is I'd work it out yeah yeah so yeah and that's yeah that's what happened so that's so good it's such a you know a dedicated way and a complete ingenuity and perseverance just to figure it out as you go along and and I think it's just it's the way we do everything and yeah I think um yeah kudos for for sticking with it and having that perseverance to go now I really want these cool shirts I really want to wear that I'm just gonna make it myself because I can't buy them (laughs) yeah I think if I'd known what I know now thank god I don't because yeah it's just nightmare like there's so much of the stuff you have to learn. And I was trying to learn it via a really, really shitty internet connection. So at times I would have to get on the roof to get enough reception um, on my mobile to then tether it to my laptop to try and get emails and stuff. If I'd known, <laughs> I probably <laughs> wouldn't have started, but I think that's with so many things. Like, and yeah. Absolutely everything. It's a blessing not knowing. That's it. Ignorance (laughs) is absolutely bliss. And because once once you've learned it, you can't unlearn it. Well, you can't unlearn it, but, you know, like you're (laughs) blessed to have that and it's something that creates such a big, big help and change. So how long have you been been selling shirts and accessories with Antola Trading now? Uh, So we launched it in 2015, so five years in I've been going but I've only really been working on it for full time in the last year Um, apart from that it was just part time I'd get home you know from work or if we weren't doing that much on the property I'd stay home and do some stuff and and we've got mail run twice a week so package all the shirts up with just the Australia Post prepaid parcels so I didn't have to you know do lodge them or anything they just go in on the mail run and yeah that's I literally went from a spare room full of boxes which I thought I'm gonna have you know when they arrived I had a bit of a panic attack and thought this 
is the dumbest thing I've done um, because what am I going to do with all these shirts? There's so many of them. I'm going to have shirts for the rest of my life in this room. I'll never get rid of them all. Like it, it was overwhelming how many boxes there were just for a thousand shirts. Um, and then it grew bigger till it went through the hallway in the second spare bedroom. Then we had like a, a quarters for uh, where workers and stuff would live. So I went over there and took up a room over there. Um, and now it's in a 40 foot shipping container. So just sort of creeped out into all the space that was available. <laughs> oh, that's a great. So how many shirts, are, what's, you know, like where do you sell them now? And, um, you know, do you have them in stores? Uh, we've got them in a couple of stores. That's never been like my main uh, goal. I mean, we've thought about it. Um, in the, especially in the last six months, I've thought about um, wholesaling more and whether that's the best path. Um, but then because I feel like, you know, so many of our customers are forced to buy online because of your location. It kind of makes more sense to me, especially with the profit margin that I've got because I'm still, we are still like a small, pretty small business. Um, and our quantities that we order, especially because they are uh, sort of custom made every single time and not buying fabric from the market and you, you're digitally printing every single batch, it costs a lot more. Um, and then we don't reprint anything ever. So you, once you've got your shirt, that's it. It's not going to get made again. You're not going to turn up at a rodeo camp draft and 50 other people have it or anything. Um, that means our margins are a lot smaller. So then if we start wholesaling, that's going to take half of it. And with the way social media and the internet works these days, um, I think, yeah, we just decided that that money's better spent reaching direct to our customer in regional and remote areas of Australia than going into shops. And we are, we are in a couple of shops, um, but that's not our, our main focus at the moment. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. And there's an element that I really love about what you've done with your designs, and that's the name of them. Yeah. You want to share the story around that how you name your clothing? Yeah, well, from the first range, I wanted to name every shirt. I wanted them all to have a story. Um, and the first range were named after my wonderful neighbours and friends at home who I wrangled into being models. They were all pretty reluctant. Um, and I had another friend who's a photographer and she came out and thank God she's an incredible photographer and very, very skilled at with very minimal resources. This is in the middle of, you know, the drought. There was, I was like, there's no grass. What are we going to take photos of? It's all going to look so horrible. And she said, it's going to be okay. So she produced these photos. God knows how she got them out of what we had, but we had all the girls there. It was a bit, it was chaos. It was a bit of a circus. Um, but I wanted to name them after the people who inspired me that also had the same frustrations of not having anything nice, like loving clothes, loving fashion, um, having their own unique personalities. We all had our own dress styles as well. But if you put us in a line to go to work, we'd all look exactly the same. And that you know, that is what inspired me to make the range, the first range of shirts. So I thought it only made sense to name them after those people. 
where they're from, what, and the first range is the only one that we haven't actually written stories about, which I would like to go back and do. Um, but every range since then, we've either got people to nominate uh, inspirational woman in their life, or uh, we found them. And yeah, they, I have loved hearing, because I haven't, I don't write the stories, I'm not that talented. Um, but I love reading them as soon as I get the email of whoever's written it. Um, I love sitting down, like I make it a special moment to sit down because I know who it's going to be, but I don't know their full story either. So I sit down and I just, I love reading them so much. Um, so yeah, and I feel like it's almost, it's creating this community, this tight knit community of incredible women in Australia doing amazing things, but going essentially what I feel like unnoticed because I didn't know any of these stories and I'm in the industry. You know, I, where is the platform that gets these women um, championed and, and not in a like against all odds or anything or, you know, it's not the old trope of, uh, of the farmer's wife and it's all a bit tough out here and all that kind of stuff. These are just amazing women and girls doing really cool stuff because they're inspired and they're energetic and they love what they do. And I think that kind of energy and reading those stories um, energizes me and, and inspires me as well. And I have always thought like, you can't be what you can't see. And when, if you have somewhere where you could go and read that or see it, then um, yeah, that's an awesome thing to be able to do. Absolutely. And you're so right. There are so many, so many heroes and they're, they're stories that we don't know, but they're the absolute backbone of every, every community and every rural town and station and every part. And because they, they do so much, they give so much, they support everybody around them. And they're so, they're just incredible in their determination to give support, to, to share and, and hold each other up so that they can all move together in a stronger, more, more apt way. And yeah, like it's really, I, I love that you share those stories. And, um, and I think that's such a beautiful and special part of, of what you and your company does. It's just beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I didn't even think at the beginning it would be such a big part of our business, but um, it is, yeah. And I think it, it feels really special and I love looking back on all the shirts that we have made and knowing that every one of them has, it has a one story to me because I sort of designed it and it, I know the work that went into make, getting that shirt from my head to someone's back, but that other part of the story now that shirt is now part of their story and they're part of that shirt story um and I feel that it probably sounds a bit airy fairy but when I put some of my favorite shirts on I put them on and I feel like I'm part of a community because I feel like it comes with the energy of some other strong amazing woman that probably has faced challenges or whatever but that's not the focus of why I, what we do our stories. It's, it's focused on why they love what they do, why they're in this industry, the good parts of, of their industry. And I love hearing those stories of 
you know, that I know nothing about. I don't know anything about pearl farming or, or cotton farming or cropping or anything like that. But I love hearing their stories. And um, yeah, I feel a little bit energized and inspired when I put on the shirt and I think about that person it's named after pretty much every time I put on a shirt I think that the name of the shirt and I get an image of whoever it's been named after yeah it's so amazing I love that and yeah it's just a, such a great simple addition to to what it is we always put on clothes but we very very rarely do we embody it with somebody else and can get inspired and motivated by yeah. that piece of clothing so I think it's just ingenious what you've done and been able to achieve with your clothing uh, being able to to help and support people so that they're you know encouraged and motivated because you don't know they could be having that challenging day and they put on one of your shirts and they go ah oh, this was the story of this lady who over Overcame this challenge and you know if she could overcome that challenge then I can get up today and I can overcome it too yeah definitely I mean I, I definitely don't feel like we're saving lives here or anything like I'm but I um if, if it makes an impact on on me then it might make an impact on someone else out there and at the very least they're fun to wear you know like <laughs> life stuff enough and working in rural industries has its has a lot more challenges than a lot of other places, other jobs and stuff. So why not have a bit of fun when you wake up and put on something, put on something fun and yeah, look a bit different. Bright, brightly coloured, it always changes the atmosphere. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I've got, I love the um, studies and stuff around colour therapy and theories around how colour affects you, your mood and everything. So um, yeah. Have you ever asked the, um, the you know, had the conversations uh, with the guys around how you wearing brightly coloured shirts, how it makes them feel? I think, uh, as I said, when I grew up, I was with all, you know, growing up with all boys and men. So when I started making the shirts, I think I remember the first, it might not have been on the, the very first day I wore one of uh, the Antola shirts. But it, it would have been one of the ones where we've been mustering and there was a lot of guys there. And the, the just the looks of like, what are you wearing? Like, where did you get that shirt from? And sometimes it might just be, you know, you're loading a truck and one of the trucks, oh, it's a bit of a Larry shirt you got there. But it's sort of, it's not having a go at you like, what are you wearing? It's always a bit, it's a, you know, a compliment and it's a fun comment usually. And usually brings a smile to someone's face so um, and I think it also very quickly like even for a second reminds them that you're a girl as well like you are different and not in a good or a bad way but you're just you're different and yeah That just gets them to respect and to see it as, as who you are and you can show that person. But I reckon you're right. I reckon it'd be, you know, a nice for a truck driver to roll up and see someone in a bright, happy shirt and go, oh, that's refreshing after seeing, you know, 2,000 Ks of red dirt. <laughs> yep, that's, yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. And so with everything that you've done with sort of setting it up, you know, what sort of support networks did you have around establishing Antola? Um, a fair bit of it was just uh, me researching a lot on my own. 
and then uh, once I sort of launched it, uh, my friends and family were pretty supportive. My mum, my grandma, obviously. Um, I remember telling them that it was named after them, which was pretty special. And yeah, my, the friends um, at home have all always been really, really supportive and have always bought plenty of shirts. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and my, my friends in the city that I sort of grew up with at school, they've been amazingly supportive as well. Some of them have their own small businesses and learning from them with a lot of social media stuff that I had no idea about. And thank God now um, our little team's growing to um, incorporate a social media manager be, who's been an absolute godsend um, because I'm terrible at it. And she has been amazing in the last couple of months. So, yeah, we're growing um, more and more, especially in the last year since going full time. But it has been, um, a, for the most part of it, it was, you know, just me packaging orders and sending them out. And there wasn't really much else other people could do apart from be encouraging. So that was always really helpful to keep going and the sales, encouraged me to keep going too if they stopped I would have just you know had a thousand shirts for myself to wear <laughs> would have rocked them out too yeah yep <laughs> oh that's great I've got to circle back to something again because I just think it's too too cool not to have a have a chat about you went and got your helicopter license that is so cool can you talk us through what it is and yeah, like, well, not what it is, we know what it is, but yeah, how that happened? Uh, well, it was another one of those things that I didn't really tell anyone about until I had committed to it. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that was before, um, before I started Antola. And at that time, I think I was still trying to find ways to feel relevant and useful and an integral part of our family business not being able to sort of compete on the same level as uh, my brothers because we all work together quite a lot. Um, and I felt like, well, I'm never going to be, be able to physically compete on the same level as them or knowledge-wise because they'd been there between two and four years longer than I had. So they had a wealth of knowledge, even though I would never have said that to them. They, were, they knew it. <laughs> um, so I always felt like, what do I bring to the table? What am I useful for? You know, um, if I don't always want to be the crappest one at the job, so, um, or like the, the slowest motorbike rider or this or that, I can't, you know, throw Mickey's. I can't do so many things that they could physically do. Um, so I, I don't know where the hairbrand idea came to get my license. Everyone in my family's always flown planes, uh, even my mum. And a lot of her family all flew planes. So being a pilot wasn't that odd, but no one had ever been a chopper pilot. And I thought, well, what's the point of all of us sitting in a plane together, all knowing how to fly it, going from A to B from one of our properties to the other, when we're hiring chopper pilots every you know, couple of weeks, why don't I just learn how to do that instead? And it also looked pretty cool. So I really wanted to have a go at it. Uh, and then, yeah, I just booked in the theory course and then I think I told my family that I was going to do it and I knew it was lucky that I didn't because there was there did come up against a fair bit of um, 
concern, I suppose, about the dangers of mustering and that it was not necessary for me to do it, all that sort of stuff. But I went and did it because I'm stubborn. And yeah, it was definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done. Uh, I did it in about 11 weeks and there were only guys there as well, which was not that. I had expected that and it didn't seem uh, a surprise to me when I showed up, but I think it looked like a bit of, it was a bit of a surprise to you know, all the guys at the school when I showed up. And yeah, got through it and then did about a year uh, mustering with our mustering pilot who has always worked for our family. And he, that was a whole nother kettle of fish actually learning how to muster as opposed to getting a license. And it felt a bit like getting um, like my car license and you get in there and they're like, I don't think they should have given me this license. <laughs> um, I think they are. I don't think I'm equipped for this. <laughs> yeah, I no, take it back. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I felt very much like that when I was in there. Like they should not have given me this license. But yeah, then I started um, flying a fair bit and I just loved it. And I did feel like a, an important part of our business then. And it was just, it is the most fun thing to do. So yeah, I loved every, every minute of it. Yeah, that's incredible. You have an amazing uh, commitment in to your ideas that you you want to go after, and I just I love that. That is just such a cool thing to have. I, I think um, some people would call it pig-headedness, but yeah, whatever you know. <laughs> yeah, well, they, whatever, they whatever, whatever they want to call it. You know, I think <laughs> I think it's fabulous. <laughs> because you know a lot of people go that you know they do they get scared off and and because people are always going to tell you to do and not do things and when we have these ideas and it's not because they uh don't want us to succeed it's because they love us and they are worried about us you know yeah and and it's you know so it's being able to go I know it's scary for you but I uh still gonna do it anyway yeah, that's so true. And it, it does always come from a place of love. Um, well, I think it does. Um, but I think it was probably a bit easier for me too because um, I feel like I never really fit the mould being the odd one out growing up being the girl. It's a lot easier if you don't fit the mould to like make your own mould. So to do something different that no one expected me to do or wanted me to do but didn't fit the the timeline or plan that they had it seemed a bit easier because I was already doing something different I was already different anyway so yeah just keep rolling with that one yeah yep (laughs) oh that's so good and so what has been the biggest challenges with setting up uh, Antola, but as well as Antola, as well as what you're sort of doing now is you've got your station and property up in Richmond and then you're now living in Sydney. How are you managing all of this? Well, it hasn't been that handy with bloody COVID um, because I literally just moved down here um, a couple of weeks before COVID hit. So I have been able to go back and forward a couple of times, but, um, and now I think the borders are opening back up. So it'll be right. But I have um, been very, very lucky that my brother lives next door to my property and he's been looking after the cattle while I haven't been able to be there and selling cattle for me. Um, So that's been, that's been very, very handy. And then uh, with Antola, funny because like the, the challenges of being here create uh, are 
not physically being there to look at the cattle on the grass and make decisions on the ground, which is so important. Um, and the challenges of being there are not having access to any of the skills sets and knowledge and everything that comes with the production of the shirt. Uh, so much of what I've learned in the last six months, you know, I've, I've learned more here being able to physically access the knowledge that I need to produce a product than I have in the last five years being at home. And that's partly because I was doing Antola part-time, but also even just the, the postage time uh, is insane. You know, it's, it's two or three times what it is in the city. So getting things back and forward, getting sampling and everything takes forever. Um, and then a lot of the uh, like textile design side of it, I've always been really interested in, but I haven't sort of had access to the people one-on-one -on -one to get the information I need to for my specific thing. So I don't want to do a textile design course as a general thing. I know it'll probably be really helpful, but I'm more like, no, I don't need that, don't need that. I need this, this, this to help me get this product uh, better, quicker, um, and so that I can go ahead and do it myself in the, in the future. And that's been really, really uh, helpful being here. So there's challenges of both, but now not being up there, that the shirts are all um, on the property and getting sent out there still. So transport to and from the property and postage times from the property. I think um, I have, I've had emails over the years of people in the city wondering why it hasn't got there. If they paid for Express, they're wondering why it's not there the next day. And it's still not even on the mail run for another three days. Um, so I have to like politely explain to them that we're living in the middle of nowhere. Things take a lot longer. Like it's nice and slow out in the country, which I like, but some, if you're used to things turning up, you know, the next day in the city, that's very frustrating for some people. So that's a big challenge. Be a bit of a wake up call. What do you mean you only get mail twice a week? Yeah. It's like, doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Some areas, it's only once a, once a week or once a fortnight. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like we're pretty lucky to have a mail run twice a week. It's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that is actually a lot more than, than more, than most areas uh, in, yeah. in Northern uh, Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So what are your big dreams and visions for the future? Uh, for Antola, I think more than sort of what it, it looks like, um, like size-wise, I think my, my vision is more around building a community rather than just a brand. So, yes, we definitely want to get bigger, um, spread our awareness and our, build our customer base, but also do it in a way that feels genuine as well and still very connected that the, everyone who buys a shirt is part of this Antola community of women doing insanely good things and, and the men and the, you know, families that support those women. Um, but, you know, men get plenty of accolades. So <laughs> let's just focus on the women doing all We, awesome we can't be everything to everybody. No, no, exactly. You can't satisfy everyone. So, um, I really want to build that community and I mean it's amazing that even um, a couple of months ago I was, met someone who lived on a property 
um, not that far from me, but they'd never heard of Antola. And they're like, oh, that's a nice shirt. Where'd you get that from? And I was like, oh, it's, this, this, it's the shirt. That's the brand that I do, you know? And they're like, oh, really? Never heard of it. And I think, well, if even just in my, like the Bush Telegraph is, it just goes everywhere. So there's still people, if I haven't like conquered our entire region, then we need to spread that even further and further. So getting online, I think, um, through social media and and spreading uh, throughout the rural communities and uh, accessing those people is what I would really love to do because I'd love to be able to produce uh, our limited edition sort of shirts, but more frequently. And the only way we can do that is by building our customer base so that we can increase the orders and we can produce more unique shirts more often. So that's what I would love to be able to do. And however that looks, as um, I'll be happy as long as it's genuine along the way and it feels good. That's so beautiful and it's great. And you've really got those strong, authentic values uh, at your rock solid core. And, and it, is, it is, it's all about, you know, going going with what feels good and what's natural and because you know that's always going to be the right way to go. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. And so how can people contact you, assist you, as well as follow along on your journey? Uh, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, just at Antola Trading. So it's A-N-T-O-L-A. Uh, or jump on our website, antolatrading.com. And that's where all our shirts are. And um, usually I get a lot of emails of uh, people missing out on their favourite shirt because it's sold out and they're wondering when we're going to restock it, which is always a hard email to answer because we don't restock anything ever. So once that size and that print's gone, it's, it's gone. So we've got a mailing list. Um, and if anyone wants to chuck their email in there, we always tell our little community of mailing lists first and then we put it on our socials of when new shirts are coming and that way you don't miss out because I actually missed out on some of the prints of our very first range because I sold every bloody one before I kept one for myself. Good so work. I'm even, yeah, I should sign up to my own mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should take your own advice some days. Yeah, I know. Yeah, good work. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Alicia. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really, I love the way that you've taken your passion uh, and used you know, what it is that you wanted to do. You haven't let it, you know, miss out you've used that creativity and still be able to take it into the industry that you love and that's always been at your core and and found a way to showcase your own individuality but as well as bring some light and some and some flair to to the other women in in the rural and regional areas as well I think it's it's amazing work that you're doing and as well as sharing the stories and really showcasing the incredible people that are, that are true inspirational heroes in in the regions of, of Australia. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been lovely to have a chat with you. Thank you so much. You have a fantastic day. You too, thanks. Thank you for joining us and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more stories of awesome everyday people helping their communities, then make sure you subscribe to this show. Also, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email at communityheroespodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram 
just by searching Community Heroes Podcast. Also, you can connect with me personally on LinkedIn by searching Catherine Mahn. That's C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-M-A-H-O-N. I hope to hear from you soon.